Well, good morning, and uh, welcome to Journey. And I do want to follow up on that. Obviously, uh, you just saw um, the Ministry of IDES, International Disaster Emergency Services. And you know what's wonderful about organizations like this is that when there's a disaster like uh, just a western part of our state experienced, they're already on the ground. Uh, they left immediately uh, to go there. Uh, some of the folks who even work at, at IDES are from Western Kentucky and uh, even now are already assessing what the needs may be. All of us feel this desire. We need to go do something. We need to help in some way. And thankfully, there are organizations like this that will able to be able to channel our resources to uh, directly the needs and work through the churches. That's the amazing thing is they're able to directly uh, tie aid to Jesus and uh, give the churches uh, and Christians there a platform to be able to serve the people and share Jesus. So uh, that's great. Uh, our own, uh, one of our own guys, Richie Phillips, is going to be leaving this afternoon to go down. Some of you have asked about how we can help. Uh, Richie's going down to assess. He's going to get back with me. Uh, one thing we're going to do is we're going to provide, uh, don't know how much we can do, but several thousand dollars that we can send down there immediately through IDES as a church. Uh, we're also going to be uh, planning a trip down uh, because one of the things they do is they build sheds for people to store their, their uh, gathered items in. You get to a place where what do you do with the things that you're receiving and know where to put them if you lost your home. So uh, we'll be uh, probably taking a trip down the next couple of weeks whenever they're able to get on the ground, get that set up and working through one of the churches. So if you want to go down and build some of the sheds, the storage sheds, uh, there will be opportunities to do that. And maybe even beyond that, spring break, uh, I know some people have talked to me about that. So there are going to be ways that we can help out. We all want to rush and go now. They won't even let it, you in, I don't believe, at this point. So uh, we need to let the professionals uh, do what they need to do in the re search and rescue, and then, and then we can follow up with ministry. So thank you uh, for, uh, for your help. Thank you for supporting our church. Uh, we're able to partner with amazing ministries like IDES and know that what we give goes directly to people who are in need. I do want to follow up because we've been talking about IDES. In fact, the last couple of weeks we've mentioned them in our released initiative because they're one of our partners that we feel really good about being able to expand our work and ministry with as we're able to do so and be freed up from our debt. Uh, most of you know for the last several weeks, feels like months, maybe even years, we've been talking about our released initiative. Uh, but this is a way for us to kind of look down the road and say, where does our church go in the next 18 months specifically, preparing ourselves for the future and, and beyond. And this is one of the things we did ask uh, everyone to prayerfully consider this. Uh, again, this is a one fund. Some people have asked about that. Uh, one fund means that we don't have a special offering necessarily, but everything that comes into our church uh, goes to meet those key initiatives, one of which is to continue our mission as a church. Another is to pay off our debt, and then beyond that, the initiatives that we're able to have finances freed up for. So, uh, but we were asking everyone to fill out, if possible, one of our cards, just so we kind of know how to plan and how to budget. Uh, so if you uh, are a giver, or if you'd like to give, or willing to give, and accept the challenge, ask you to fill one of these out and turn it in, just so we have some idea to base that on. In the next couple of weeks, we'll be trying to give you more information about how to assess that, and and kind of what our, our response has been. Last week we had a, a good offering, and I, I'm hesitant to even share uh, because I know more is coming in. But if you're able to give a year-end gift, uh, we'd love to do that, and we'll include that in the total, and we'll share that with you as soon as we can. So at any rate, a lot going on, and uh, we want to keep praying for the folks who are uh, impacted by the storms. And, you know, we're, we know that we could have been in that place 
uh, at any moment. It could have been us, uh, that we could have lost our homes and, and loved ones as well. So let's pray for those who, who were impacted by it. Well, today we're going to continue on in our uh, series called The Advent uh, Conspiracy. We began last week talking about trying to know how to put Jesus at the right place in the middle of Christmas. And, you know, I, I tell you, this time of year, the commercials and advertisements start months ahead. But at this point, we are in full swing, right? I mean, hard to believe that we're only a week or so away uh, from, uh, you know, the Christmas week, if we might call that. But I was looking at some of the commercials. Have you seen the one where the father leads his blindfolded, looks like teenage daughter, probably about 16 or so, uh, leads her outside the door. He takes off the blindfold, and she sees a brand-new moped, not what she was looking for. And so rewind real quick, and uh, he leads her out again and pulls off the blindfold, and she sees a used VW, not what she was looking for. So it rewind again. And he leads her out, takes off the blindfold, and she sees a brand new car, which is what she really wanted and deserved to start with. Well, I don't know too many people who give cars for Christmas. Maybe you do, and bless you if you get one for Christmas. Uh, I don't know many people do that, but I know a lot of people who spend too much for Christmas every year. And believe me, I know how easy that is. You know, we have four kids. Believe me, there were times... Um, when our kids were little, and like every parent, we wanted to give them everything we could. And, you know, so I understand how it's always tied at Christmas. Now it's our granddaughters uh, that we want to give to. And we actually have got our, one of our granddaughters in this weekend. She's going to be at second service. Uh, we're pretty pumped about that, Sophie, our three-year-old granddaughter. Um, but anyway, in this series we're talking about here, I could get distracted about my granddaughters, to be honest with you, but I try to avoid that. Um, but in this series that we're in called Advent Conspiracy, we're trying to talk about how do we put Jesus in his rightful place. And this Advent Conspiracy thing is not something that we made up. It actually is a movement that started about 15 years ago to bring a deeper meaning to Christmas. And during the Christmas season or the Advent season, leading, weeks leading up to it, it's kind of a movement that advances four principles. And we talked last week about giving more, about giving to Jesus. I mean, it's, after all, it's his birthday, Right. Uh, giving to Jesus first and greater. Today we're going to be talking about spending less. Next week it's about worshiping fully. And then the last week it's about loving all. And the movement's message basically is to avoid getting caught up in the consumerism, the buying, and all the activities surrounding the holiday, and to put the focus back on Jesus completely and fully. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I was just thinking this morning as I was coming in that how easily we get wrapped up in our world that we live in, which is a, a wonderful, blessed life that we've been given. We get so wrapped up in this that we forget the meaning of why we even exist, that we exist to glorify God, to worship Him. And, and then we forget what the meaning of this time of year is all about. And, and, many, and many times we can go through the entire season without being reminded of fully what Christmas really means. Now, I know that I'm sounding a little bit like Scrooge this morning, and I want to avoid that. I don't want to be Scrooge or Grinch or anything like that. But I think all of us can agree that things can and do often get out of hand in this area. And I know also there are a ton of emotions that, that happen during this time of year. For example, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of anxiety. Some of you have already told me how stressed out you are. There's a lot of guilt that we can't do more, right? There's a, there's a lot of exhaustion. There's frustration, and not as much joy, you know, as we, we sang about it, but we don't always show that or experience that. And all these other emotions can truly take the joy out of Christmas. And to be honest, 
we make it a lot more difficult on ourselves than we have to. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about today. I want to take some of the pressure, some of the guilt, some of the, the anxiety off of you, hopefully lift that, by putting the focus in the right place. And so we're going to look at these four areas, and we're going to talk today about spending less during this time. Now, spending less is an ambitious goal, right? We all set out probably all the time, we're going to spend less this year. And it's also kind of an ambiguous goal. What does it mean to spend less? Do we spend less than we did last year? Do we spend less than our neighbors? That might be really easy or really difficult. But the truth here is there's no formula spending less. It's except it's the fact that all of us know that we all have a capacity. And if we go beyond that, we know we're going to be in trouble and we're going to pay for it literally somewhere down the road, right? The challenge is to be willing to ask ourselves some questions, kind of be self-aware, ask ourselves some questions, and then be open to hearing what God says in return. Questions like, is this, if you're buying for yourself, is this something I want or something I need? And I think we would probably spend less if we were honest about those kind of questions. Why do I want to buy this? What kind of company am I supporting if I do purchase this product? Can I really afford to spend this amount of money on no matter what it is or when it is? And around this time of year, how many presents do we actually need? How many do we really need to buy our kids or to buy one, one another? Here's another great question. What do we do with the presents from last year? Wouldn't that be, that's kind of a probing question. What do we do with what we got last year? Spending less requires us to plan, you know, because the impulse that we have is just mindlessly shopping until we're dropping you know, shopping online, ordering more than we know what to do. You've seen those boxes pile up, you know, the Amazon boxes pile up in somebody's front of somebody's door and somebody comes along and steals them, you know. But before we decide to do that, before we make a purchase, we need to think about that. We need to thoughtfully evaluate who we are supporting with our spending and also allow our spending to support the products and people and causes that are worthy of supporting. Do you ever think about the company that you're buying from? And what they stand for. That would be a wise investment to make as well, some time. But, but if spending a little bit less on ourselves, then we're able to give more than, we're able, uh, than we might be able to previously. The people who are truly in need, like we talked about last week. You know, Lori and I uh, are typical, obviously. We're, um, we used to be at a place where we overspent uh, in the past. And we would, you know, struggle and have anxiety this time of year. Uh, but we, we're at a place that we really don't only overspend anymore. But, but at one time, we would buy presents only for our kids to tear through them. Don't judge our kids, you know. But they would tear through them. They would open one, discard it, grab another, open it, and, uh, and tear through them only to be disappointed when there were no more in the stack. You know, I mean, that really is pretty typical. It's not just kids. The kids are little adults, so they learn that somewhere. But, but I think all parents today kind of feel that same. And when they look up to you like, where's the others? And you're like, that was the best we got to, you know, kids. That's hard sometimes, you know. And we were also buying gifts for extended family. And they were buying for us as well. And one year we realized two things. Number one, we realized that we didn't have enough money to keep doing that. And number two, we realized that none of us as adults really needed anything that we were buying we're just buying this for each other because we felt somewhat obligated to do so. And then we also realized that they're really, what we got and received really wasn't needed or did it fit. And in many cases, they didn't even like it. And so we began to think, wow, this doesn't make a lot of sense, right? And so we, uh, you know, we called a halt to most of that, honestly. 
And it did not cause the repercussions that we feared. We thought we wouldn't be invited to the Christmas party anymore. Uh, we thought, you know, we were going to be the outcast, but it really didn't stop any of that. And, uh, and I think they were happy, to be honest, because they didn't, you know, they didn't like what we got them either, you know. So it, it really makes a lot of sense there. Now, before you think we don't give Christmas, we do give gifts, gifts to our kids and our grandkids, but we do so moderately. And we took so much stress out of our lives. I don't know if you believe this or not, and I'm not bragging at all, but I haven't been to the mall in years. I don't go because i got nothing there that I want, and I don't have to go. And that is, takes the stress off. I don't even like getting near the place. But, you know, honestly, it, it, it takes the anxiety out of life. And it takes away the spending as well, a lot. But you know what? It's not just about how we spend uh, and how it makes us feel. It's also about stewardship. It's also about managing that. It's stressful, but it also is, is wise stewardship not to overspend. And how we use the money God's given us, which is what stewardship is all about. First Corinthians chapter 4 says, moreover, it's required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. So what does it mean to be found trustworthy? Trustworthy means that we just use wisdom in using the resources that God has given to us. That, that we just use wisdom, that we use logic, common sense. Really, there are only three things you can do with money when you think about it. You can spend it, you can save it, or you can give it. And obviously, all three of them have their place. We live in a world that you, you really can't get by unless you spend money. I haven't found a way uh, to do that. I'm trying to be as thrifty as possible, but you've got to spend some money sometime, and, and you need to. But the second thing is you're gonna, you can save it, which we all need to do. And last week, we talked about the importance of giving it away, and they all have their place. But you know what? Most people are not going to give too much of their money away. There's not as much danger of giving too much away. However, many people do hoard their money. In other words, save money and not give it to causes, not give it to the Lord as they ought to. And of course, many other people spend too much on themselves or other people. So I would say, though, of those three things you can do with your money, giving is by far the most noble. And obviously, the more you, the, you can give more if you spend less, all right? So it makes sense. So all these ways work together. Now, but what I've also noticed, though, is that this time of year is that the world pressures us to spend too much, telling us like that we don't have a choice in that. That if we love people, if we're in the you know, Christmas spirit, we're going to give them as much as we can, telling us that if somebody gives us a gift, what do we have to do? We are obligated to give them one back. If we think they're going to give us a gift, we are obligated to give them one back. And a lot of other lives as well. So I thought it might be good today, as we talk about spending lives, to look at a few of the subtle lies that Satan tells us. Now, these sound like truth, but let me break them down because this is the message that we're being bombarded with. And, and I think we need to understand what the lies are all about. Lie number one, it's all about giving, not getting. It's all about giving, not getting. Now, that sounds right. After all, didn't, wasn't it Jesus that said, it's more blessed to give than to receive? Jesus said that. And think about all the commercial slogans. Now, you know, the, the advertisers, they know what, what pushes our buttons. They know what prompts us. And so they're not going to say, it's all about you getting gifts. They're all going to say, it's all about you giving gifts to prompt you to buy, right? So but think about some of the slogans. It's the look on their face that makes it all worthwhile. Yep. Um, giving feels good when it does good. Believe in the wonder of giving. I mean, those are great slogans, whoever came up with those things, right? But focusing on giving definitely sells better than focusing on getting. But you know what? Even giving can spark the wrong attitudes. What about pride and arrogance? 
You know, ever think, you know what, I'm going to give them the perfect gift. I'm going to give them a better gift than they give me. There's a little bit of arrogance that goes into that kind of shopping mentality, right? Or maybe if you're a, um, a single parent, you might say, I want to outgive the other parent. Or if you're like us grandparents, I'm going to, we're going to outgive the other grandparent. You know, we want to win. Or I want them to see me a specific way, so I'm going to give them this. I want to see them, I'm going to spoil them in some ways. You know, we forget that in reality, we don't have anything of our own without God's generosity. And we also forget that material things are not going to change a person's life. Few of us are going to be able to give someone a gift that's going to change their life, you know? Uh, and, and in everything we do, our giving should not be self-centered or, or arrogant. It ought to be worship. Our giving ought to be founded in worship. I don't know if you ever thought about that. But the example, the wise men. Remember the wise men we mentioned last week, uh, Matthew chapter 2. It says, after they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's the spirit in which we are to give. We said last week, you know, it's all about giving to Jesus, the most important, but it sparked the idea of giving and the practice of giving to other people. But they came and they gave in worship. Even our, worship, even our giving to other people ought to honor Christ. What we give them, the type of gifts that we give them, the attitude in which we give it to them, you know, the response, the setting, the, the balance, the perspective of our giving. And it's not just about giving, it's also about acknowledging what we've been given from Christ and how we give from the overflow. What do we give to people? How do we give? I'm not saying you have to give everybody a Bible or a devotional book. I'm, don't, I'm not implying that, all right? But I'm just saying how we give, and is it given in worship? Is our giving worship or does it overflow from worship? Here's the second lie that's believable. Contentment is achievable. Contentment is achievable. Again, it sounds right, but it isn't true. Here's why. Contentment is available, but it is not achievable on our own. If we think it's achievable, then we're going to pull out the stops. We're going to out-decorate our neighbors because we want to be the best on the block, and we want to have the brightest house around. And, and we think that's going to make us fulfill us and, and content us. Or we're going to outgive the relatives, or we're going to cook the perfect dinner, or we're going to host the perfect party. We're going to give everyone the best gifts they receive all year. I'm going to treat myself to everything that I want. That attitude says, if I do these things, I'm going to be content. And I don't know about you, but if you, when you get to be my age, you have probably figured out that things will not content you. They will not give you contentment. You will not be satisfied. I don't care what you buy, what you receive, what you do. You're not going to be content in things because contentment is not achievable. Even if you have the perfect Christmas experience, because it's not based on things. And according to a report from USA Today, the average American spends roughly $18,000 annually on non-essential items in pursuit of contentment. A lot of money trying to be content, only to discover that it's emptiness that they receive. Because contentment cannot be achieved. It can only be experienced in Jesus Christ. 
The source of our contentment is never going to be things or circumstances, but it's always going to be God. In fact, contentment is a heart posture that is practiced in the presence of Jesus. Only he can give us that contentment that we are pursuing, that we are chasing after. Here's line number three. More is always better. More is always better. This is what the world tells us, not just about money and Christmas, but about everything. We believe it, we spend more and more. But you know what? Instead of being content, we become numb, actually, to too much. And we want more, and we're still not satisfied. You know, I think our kids experience this, again, because they're little adults, they're just like us, right? The more they have, many times, the more they want. Again, going back, I think about the times that, that we would give and have stacks of gifts, and then the natural thing was when you get to the bottom, you look for the next one because you're always looking for more and more. And we think that how much we love someone determines how much we give them, and how much we give them determines how much we love them. So the more we love, the more we give. But let me ask you this. Can we ever give them enough? Can we ever give them exactly what they want? We have this fear that our kids are going to open all their gifts on Christmas morning, and they're gonna, then they're going to open Instagram and going to be jealous of their friends and what they got. Because our idea is we have to get more. You have more than everybody else, you're going to be happy. They're going to love us. They're going to know we love them. And that's, that's not a lie. I mean, that's a lie. It really isn't true. Now, more is safer, isn't it? It's safer to always give more. That's why we try to do it. If somebody gives you something, you want to have something at least as nice to give back to them. Nicer if possible to kind of one up, right? But is more always better? It really isn't always better. Check out what Proverbs chapter 30 says. Two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty or riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so disgrace the, the name of my God. So he says, Lord, just give me enough, not too much and not too little. Too much may make me disown God, become independent and self-sufficient. Give me too little, I may resort to stealing. God, give me my needs, but don't give me too much. So before you purchase something, you should kind of ask yourself, Will what I am buying make me more aware of God's abundance? Do I know this came from God or, or less? Is it by my power? Will it lead to contentment? And I will tell you the answer to the last question is always going to be no. Always going to be no. Now, let me just say this. This is for all of us because whether you are the giver or the recipient, it's wise to look at these type of questions and maybe lower our expectation of things. Maybe that's what we need to do to our kids. We don't want to disappoint our kids but maybe to lower their expectations to know that things are not going to make them happy and to value the things that they have as they receive them a little bit more. Satan's lie is that more is better, but God's truth is that excess is actually the enemy of contentment. The more we have, many times the less content we are. I think that, share, that bears out in, in surveys of people. Lie number four, there's no time like the present. No time like the present. That's how we shop sometimes. A lot of our spending around the holidays is not even for other people. It's actually for ourselves, maybe our own decorating, and maybe buy ourselves a Christmas gift. Ever done that? Buy yourself a gift? Maybe it's something you've always thought about buying, or maybe it's just an impulse thing, you know? Maybe you, you weren't planning to buy it, but you saw it because it was on sale. Now, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me, because when I go to Rural King, 
you know, all bets are off at Rural King because I can go in there to buy a couple cans of dog food and $100 later. You know, I had these things I didn't even know I needed but I, when I saw them, so I'm preaching to me as well. But I mean, the Black Friday sales, the small business Saturdays, the Cyber Mondays, all those things happen before you get to Giving Tuesday. And guess what? For many people, there's nothing left on Giving Tuesday. Maybe it ought to be Giving Thursday before, you know, somebody kind of got that messed up out of, out of line. Maybe you go online to see if there's anything on sale that you need. That's the worst kind of shopping in the world, you know, <laughs> because you're always going to find something you want, and that big uh, fear of missing out is, is something we all struggle with, right? Whenever we spend money, we're letting the world, we're letting the, the, the desire for contentment and self-fulfillment control us. Jesus was talking about when Jesus said, Masters, Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be both God. All right. Okay, we'll finish up with this. All right. Cannot serve both God and money. That was a powerful scripture. We lost the power, I think, in that. But basically, it says, you know, the reality is that it's either God or things that we're going to find our contentment in. You know, for some people, the urge to spend is real as a drug or an alcohol addiction. I know that. We call them shopaholics for a reason, right? Uh, because they know that they need to stop, but they really can't seem to do so. And, uh, and the reality is that's something that needs to be addressed. You know, that's, there's something missing somewhere else. And the truth com uh, to combat this is to acknowledge that Jesus is my sa Savior. He is my master, my controller, not money. And what I've noticed is that everything about this season is actually designed to make us spend money from gifts, parties, clothing, hosting meals, so on and so forth. And again, I don't mean to be a Grinch because I like the season as much as anybody else. I've got three Christmas parties this coming weekend, right? But we can make it more measured and take a more balanced approach to it. That's what I'm saying. Because we have this idea that if we don't meet our own expectations, the season's expectations, other people's expectations, that we're going to be guilty and we're going to be viewed in a certain way. Now, I understand that some people can afford to spend all they want, unlimited, and there's no, no problem with that. But most of us really can't do so. And a lot of people, unfortunately, would rather be in debt later than feel guilty at the moment. So what I would love to do is lift that guilt away and say, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You should never, ever overextend yourself to purchase gifts for yourself or anybody else. You should never go in debt to, to buy something, uh, especially Christmas. Some people take all the next year to pay for their Christmas and, and just add it to an already out-of-control credit card debt. That's just crazy. And so if that's you, I've got some great news for you. Your hands are not tied like they think you are. I'm going to, like you think they are. I'm going to give you some freedom. You can take control and not have to be controlled by guilt, shame, panic, other people's expectations or standards. You can make intentional decisions to spend less. And maybe we can even rediscover the real meaning of the process. You know, we, we hear today a lot about uh, gifts, and, and I, I haven't been shopping, to be honest with you, so I don't know what's missing and what's not. But we hear that there are, you know, uh, delivery problems and everything else and, and uh, shortages on the shelves. But I like what I saw the other day. It said, Christmas is not being held up on a ship off the coast of California. Christmas was delivered 2,000 years ago. 
I like that. Because Jesus came, it's not, he's not being held up. But whenever we put the focus where it belongs, we find the peace and the contentment that Christmas is really meant to bring through us. So let me give you some real practical content, uh, ideas to find contentment. First of all, I like this one, dare to disappoint people. Dare to disappoint people. This is especially difficult, I think, for parents, right? But here's the thing. If you will shift the focus from getting to giving with your kids early in the season, it makes a real difference. Involve your kids in giving to other people, and you will develop some new habits and some new traditions. And it can really be easier for your kids. I remember one year that we intentionally decided to do this. And so we decided to spend less on gifts, and we decided to give to people who are really in need. It did take a little bit of work to get our kids on board of this, and we assured them that we weren't going to forget them altogether. Uh, but we did involve them in the process. We got one of those gift catalogs that ministries like IDES put out, and I mentioned those last week. There may be some left. I'm not sure if they are or not. Uh, maybe we can get some. But uh, these are gift catalogs that you can write, give people all over the world something uh, through these catalogs. And so we set our kids down, and we talked about people in other countries who were real need, and we talked about how we might be able to help them uh, by giving them a chicken or a goat or something tangible so the kids could hang on to that or a sewing machine or something like that that would allow them to raise their own food or make a living. And we donated gifts like this in the name of our parents. I remember in my parents' name, we gave an animal to, to somebody, I can't remember where at this point. I'm not sure we actually spent less on it, but I believe what we did spend made a bigger difference in life and maybe impacted those people's lives for years to come. I know it was better than a pile of toys that were soon abandoned by our kids and then given away or broken before the next Christmas. Now, again, this may be a little hard for small kids to figure out and understand, but we all know they'd rather play with the box than they would the toy anyway, right? So I was thinking that maybe like a box full of boxes and just let the kids open them and go for it. Uh, just kidding on that. Uh, but also, if you gave a lot to, give a lot to your adult family, here's some practical thing. Suggest that you draw names and buy only for one person instead of five. And if you're giving to adults who are going to get upset with you for the gift that you give or for giving less or not giving a gift at all, then they need an attitude change. I would say this, though. Let them know in advance what your plans are. <laughs> Don't show up and go, well, I decided not to get you a gift this year. You know, so uh, give them a little bit of head, heads, heads up on that. But, but dare to disappoint people. Dare to disappoint people. It's kind of amazing how our kids figure this out after a while. I had a conversation with one of my kids the other day, and uh, she's adulting, our youngest, and she said, Dad, it's really expensive to buy Christmas, isn't it? I'm like, yes, it is. And it's going to get better or worse for you going, going forward, you know. Uh, but they start to figure those things out uh, down the road. But dare to disappoint people. Secondly, pause in the panic. Pause in the panic. You know, we all know the, the chaos around the mall and traffic and crowds this time of year. And, and it can really take the joy out of the whole season. Uh, Black Friday sales and last-minute store specials and short supplies and, and uh, all, all the hot items there, it can all be a mess. But when you find yourself in a panic and frantic, uh, take a, a deep breath and just get away from it all. I mean, just sit in your car a few minutes before you take off or take a deep breath, uh, kind of pause in the panic. If you're thinking about a large purchase, an impulse buy, or maybe something that you don't actually need, then, then take a break. You don't have to buy everything at the moment that you're there. Wait 24 hours, then decide if you should do it. If you find yourself rushing and exhausted, his party to that party, and events, just stop and say, do I have to go? 
Do I really have to go? And a lot of cases, it'll be nope. And just stay home. Just stay home and enjoy a restful evening. So pause in the panic. Here, I like this one. Number three, accept generosity. You don't have to reciprocate every gift or invitation. You don't have to do that. Some of that can be about pride that you have to respond, or maybe you're trying to meet everybody else's expectations for you. You can't meet everybody's expectations for you. Sometimes you can just say no, right? Either way, it's impossible, and it's not worth trying. If somebody gives you a gift, assume they wanted to do that and accept it. If it was unplanned or you didn't agree to exchange gifts, accept their, their generosity. And if you give a gift, don't expect a gift back. Don't expect one back, you know. They may be trying to spend less themselves. Maybe they heard this message or one like it and said, we're not buying. We're not doing that this year, you know. Now, you may, it may be the last gift you get from them, but you weren't depending on them anyway, hopefully, for real life change, all right? So accept generosity. Number four, think a little bit harder about what you're giving. The best gifts most often don't come from the store or cost anything, really. Maybe you, you found, use your newly found free time to actually make a handmade item for someone, or you cook something to give to them. I mean, everybody loves, a, you know, some Christmas cookies or something like that. Just do something meaningful, or maybe your gift is just time spent with them, that you would actually rather just have them there or be with someone than you would to try to purchase something to, to make them happy. Practice contentment, share contentment with other people, and then lastly, most importantly, make spending time with Jesus this season a priority. Guys, if we aren't careful, the world and everyone in it will dictate how we spend our time and money this year. The world will do that. You know, I love a good Christmas party like everybody else. You know, I like the, the sounds of the season and everything. But guys, we have to make sure we know what it's all about and, and drill down and sometimes just focus on Jesus. Be intentional to spend less time and less money on things and more time and more money given to Jesus this year. The time and money that we spend on earthly things is gone forever. Money is a renewable resource, but we ought to be wise in what we have because we're called to be stewards. Time, on the other hand, is not renewable. And every minute that, minute that we spend doing something, that minute's gone. It's never going to be recovered, never going to be replaced. Understand time is a gift from God as well. And so I encourage you to start a conspiracy this year. Sit down and plan. What are we going to do? I know it's close, a couple of weeks away, but you got two weeks that you can value, you can use wisely. Maybe you can make some decisions about your spending still. And I encourage you to make an intentional plan to deviate from the normal and the, the, the shape the world tries to force you into. Start your own conspiracy to make Christmas different this year. I'd encourage you, give more. Spend less, worship fully, and love all. That's some great advice. I value that. We've tried to practice that. We're still struggling like everybody else, find the balance. But I think that using some of these principles can truly help us have a more joyful Christmas, have a more peaceful New Year and beyond, have peace inside, enjoy people, enjoy uh, celebrating Jesus, and put Him in a more rightful place in our, in our lives. And so this, this morning, my greatest advice to you beyond spend less would be to give your life to Jesus because that's what he really wants. He gave his life to you. He wants you to give your life to him back in return. And that's my hope uh, above everything else. Guys, we know just based on this week that life is extremely fragile. 
There are many of those folks who left this world, who died, who were not ready to die, no doubt, because that's a cut across uh, our, our society. And we don't, any of us know, it could have been any of us today who were facing loss of a loved one or our own death or anything. So the most important thing is that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's my, my greater invitation to you today to respond. I'm going to be up front, and I'll ask Tony to stand over here. If you want to, to pray uh, for an issue, a need, pray for the folks out west. If you want to make a decision for Jesus, we're up here and available. And I would encourage you guys, you know, we kind of fall into a, a place where we don't respond and we don't share forward a lot. But um, there's, there's no shame in that. And obviously, it's a way of saying that we're expressing what God's impressing on us. And so I encourage you, if you want to step up and pray or come to the front or whatever, uh, to just come and worship Him and pray with Him.